0: Hey, Brian Hubbard here, pastor at Rockhouse Baptist Church. I want to personally thank you for tuning in to our podcast today. We pray that the message inspires you, encourages you, and challenges you to be the person God wants you to be. Be sure to check us out online at rockhousebaptist.org where you can find out more on how to connect, grow, and go. Now for today's message. I want to talk to you this morning about following the Holy Spirit. That's where our sermon, I'm sorry, that's our sermon title this morning. And if you have your Bibles, please turn to Acts chapter 8, verses 26 through 40. That's where we're going to look at. We're going to give you a rundown of your readings this week. I usually don't like to do that because I want the Spirit to speak to you. But I am going to highlight how we got to chapter 8. Before we do that, I want to take time, and this probably isn't the most professional thing in the world. Um, and I don't want to get in the habit of doing this, but I want to talk about three people this morning. I want to shine a spotlight on. This lady here has uh, been near and dear to me. She set me straight many a times, and this is not my wife. I know what you're going, what you're thinking. This lady does all the little things that keep this place going. I'm going to be honest with you. The transition from Pastor Tyler to Pastor Brian would have probably been really, really difficult without Molly Bentley. So I want to thank you, Molly, for your help. Um, trust me, the first call I make when it comes about church is Molly. I even go past my wife sometimes. Go straight to Molly. The next two gentlemen, I want to take a moment because I'm just going to be honest with you. I've been here probably, oh boy, freshman in high school, 2004. It's about 16 years I've walked through this door. These two men took me under their wings, showed me their love. Both of them was like a father. One opened his door to me in many ways. Um, but spiritually, these two men don't get the credit for what they deserve for keeping this church together. I'm going to be honest with you. Pastor Tyler, great job. But there was two men that seeked and found him, and these two men don't get enough credit. That's Mac Bentley and Mike Napier. Thank you, fellas, so much this morning. Um I know I can go on down the list uh, for what everybody does for the Lord, and we'll preach that one day. Um, but this morning, let's dive into verse 26 right away, okay? I hope this hits you like it did me and uh, really moves you as uh, as it did me in this morning's message. Uh, because he lives, Amen. I can face tomorrow. That song just, it done something for me. Thank you all so much for that. Verse 26 says, An angel of the Lord spoke to Philip. That's my middle name, so I picture this being me. Get up and go south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is the desert road. So he got up and went. There was an Ethiopian man, a eunuch, a high official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of her entire treasury. He had come to worship in Jerusalem and was sitting in his chariot on his way home, reading the prophet Isaiah aloud, the Spirit told Philip, Go and join that chariot. When, the, when Philip ran up to it, he heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, Do you understand what you're reading? How can I, he said, unless someone guides me. Amen, Brother Kyle. So he invited Philip up and sit with him. I'm sorry, to come up and sit with him. Now the scripture passage he was reading was this. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb is silent before its shears, he does not open his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who will describe his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. The eunuch said to Philip, I ask you, who is the prophet saying this about? himself or someone else. Philip proceeded to tell him the good news about Jesus, beginning with that scripture. As they were traveling down the road, they came to some water. The eunuch said, look, there's water. What would keep me from being baptized? So he ordered the chariot to stop and both Philip and the eunuch went down to the water and he baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him any longer, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip appeared in... I've tried this word a lot, you all. azotos. I think I pronounced it wrong, but we'll go back and read it again. And he was traveling and preaching the gospel in all the towns until he came to Caesarea. Let's go to the Lord in prayer before we dive deep into our sermon this morning. Father, I pray that your word pierces our heart, that it moves the distractions out of our mind, that for the next 20 minutes or so, we open our minds, our ears, and our hearts to you, Father. Lord, draw us near. If there's someone here who doesn't know you, let them see the picture of the eunuch and how he said, Look, there's water. Father, if they know Jesus, let them be like Philip. Let them be encouraged to follow the Spirit this morning. And go and tell about Jesus. And it's in Jesus' most precious name we pray. Amen. So I want to open with some questions this morning. And I want you to keep them in your mind as we go through this sermon. First question is, am I following the Holy Spirit? I know that can be hard today with all the distractions out there. Or ask yourself, am I exactly where God wants me to be in my spiritual walk? Or how about this, am I right in the middle of God's will for my life? We'll see three things in Scripture this morning that are essential to the spread of the gospel. Number one being the need for God's grace and His Holy Spirit in our lives. Next, we'll see the need for a Bible. There's nothing more important than God's Word. We'll also see the need for someone to explain the Bible. Somebody in here has to be somebody else's rock. Why do we need these things, you may ask. Well, this is a simple statement of application from none other than Charles Spurgeon. Hear this and the power in this statement. Charles Spurgeon says, A Bible that's falling apart usually belongs to a person who isn't. Hmm. So for a moment, let's play catch up before we get into chapter 8 really quick. In Acts chapter 2, you're going to see that Peter's sermon on the day of Pentecost and how 3,000 were saved because of the call to repentance. And from there, you're going to see how the people of God formed the generous and growing church. The Bible says there was many added to them daily. And verse 44 in chapter 2 says this, Now all the believers were together and had all things in common. Amen? If we want to be a growing church, right, there's a scripture we have to hold on to. One mind, one spirit. Acts 3 and 4, you're going to see a miracle in the power of the Holy Spirit. You're going to see how proud the apostles were for being persecuted for the namesake of Jesus Christ. Acts 5, you're going to see the apostles then stand tall while on trial. And Peter quotes this We must obey God rather than people. Amen. Acts chapter 6, you're going to see this that there were seven men chosen to be deacons to the people who were being mistreated there, especially the widows. More about that in just a minute. But this is where Stephen and Philip, two very important people in the book of Acts, enter the scene. And then in Acts chapter 7, what powerful Scripture you'll read this week, when we see Stephen being martyred <laughs> for his belief in Christ and how he stood up for Jesus. But in that crowd was a very devout man of God, soon to become the Apostle Paul. Hear that the suffering brought about the Apostle Paul. Please hold on to that. Now in Acts chapter 8, Saul, who was the Apostle Paul, goes around persecuting the church, and as a result of this, people begin to scatter. Verse 4 and 5 says this, though. So they, I'm sorry, for those who were scattered, went on their way preaching the word. See, they weren't scattered as being scared. They were scattered as going on and preaching the word. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah to them. So I want to bring to our attention this morning that the gospel was spread through ordinary people like you and me. Don't think that you do not have a purpose. The scripture this morning says that Philip went and started this revival. Who was Philip? He was a deacon in the church. He was a deacon of the people. And right away, we see that Philip goes to Samaria. We talked about Samaria in our verses last week in Acts 1.8. And it reads this But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all of Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now when we are in our D groups, we talk about those Samaritan people. Who are those people? You all? They the middle forkers, we don't we we say, oh, we don't know if we we'll want go there. There's a Brian Hubbard maybe there though. They're the people that we don't really want to approach. And here's Philip taking up upon himself, following the Spirit, and he's going there. And whether we want to believe this or not, every Christian preaches. You preach with your life. You preach with your actions. You preach with your word. But the thing about this is it says that we're to go to the ends of the earth. And here's the funny thing. To the Greeks and Romans, guess where Ethiopia was? The ends of the earth, literally, in their mind, they thought after that, there's no other place to go. (laughs) So it's also important to see that in chapter 6, Philip went around preaching and started a revival in Jerusalem. It's also important to know that it wasn't just as easy as reading it in Scripture. If you study it this week, you'll also know that the Jews and Samaritans, they weren't exactly the best of friends. The Samaritans were considered half-breeds. The people that nobody wanted to deal with. But here is Philip following the Holy Spirit. And out of nowhere, Philip gets a word from God. How many of you this morning have had a word from God out of nowhere? Just raise your hands. Yeah, I have. Uh, I'll just be honest with you. But this word of God wouldn't just to pray for somebody. This word of God was to go. And when he went, Philip went some 60 miles away. Now let me add, he didn't have a car. He didn't have all this other stuff to get him there. So Philip took it upon himself to go 60 miles away, and this is important, to the last watering hole many scholars believe between Jerusalem and Egypt, which was Gaza. And Gaza, in Scripture says, was in the desert. Hold on to that. I think it says something about the salvation of this Ethiopian taking place in the desert. (laughs) How many have been in the desert before? Spiritually. Not physically. I know Greg has probably been in the physical desert driving a truck. But I'm talking about spiritually in the desert. How many knows that God does His greatest work when you're in the driest time of your life or in the driest places of your life? And what I love about Scripture this morning is Philip is not told what to say. But he's told to get up and go. Hmm. And like Abraham, he believed and he followed God. There's a whole chapter about heroes of faith in Hebrews. And that's the thing about evangelizing, I'm sorry. Half the job is showing up. The other half, opening up. People need to know about Jesus. And that's why as Christians, we have to be cautious, you all, of isolating ourselves. I know sometimes we get beat up and we want to go hide and we want to go just not talk to anybody but it's hard to be in the middle of God's will if we're not around others. We can't fulfill what He needs us to do if we're isolated. But here's this eunuch. Put yourself in in the eunuch's position for a moment. He's traveling in a real nice car of their day. I'll be honest with you, the chariots. He's a uh, probably in a Mercedes of our time. He's a very important man. He's guarding the treasury. How I many? People know that that's money, right? He's guarding the money of the queen. But yet here he comes to the holy city and he's looking for something. Material wise, we can perceive that this Ethiopian has it all. He's got all the money. He's a right hand man. But yet he comes to the holy city looking for something. You see, you couldn't find peace in Judaism. He couldn't find peace in anything else. And just like us, we're not going to find true love and peace outside of the Lord Jesus Christ. You're not going to find peace in religion. You're not going to find peace in tradition. You're not going to find peace in money, fame, popularity, or material things. It's just not going to happen. Folks, hear one thing this morning. Only Jesus can satisfy you. Amen? Only Jesus can. Now, just so happened when Philip comes running up, this eunuch's reading from Isaiah chapter fifty-three. It's a good thing he probably wasn't reading from Judges or something, you know, something crazy. I don't know, but he's reading from Isaiah fifty-three. Not sure how he got the scripture. If the eunuch was going to buy this scripture, scholar says it would have cost him a whole lot. But I like to think he went to a men's conference like me and John went one year. Maybe they give it to him as he went out the door. That's probably a joke. That probably didn't happen. But I'm a firm believer that God provided this divine moment in time for a divine message to be delivered, to start a divine conversation, to complete a divine conversion. God works these things out. I can only imagine what the eunuch was thinking when this man come running. I'm, I'm guessing he's running, unless he's an ultra-marathoner. After 60 miles, he's probably just doing all he can to get there. But I know the Holy Spirit probably empowered him to get there. Now, like I said before, you have to picture this. They're at the last watering hole before entering Egypt. Now you say, Pastor, you said that twice this morning. What's the big deal about it? Here's the thing. When you dive into your studies this week and you start looking at some commentary, there was no converts in Egypt. No Christians in Egypt. So you have to remember this. If Philip doesn't follow the Holy Spirit... Guess what happens? The unit goes back, and guess what doesn't happen? Christianity doesn't go into Ethiopia. So you've got to think how strong that is. Philip is literally at this moment fulfilling the Great Commission, he's fulfilling Acts 1 8. This baptism of this Ethiopian signified the gospel going to the ends of the earth. All because why? When God said go, he went. When God said go, he went. Now, kind of reminds me of a scripture in Luke 24 when those two disciples are on the road to Emmaus. And that I've heard some preachers call it the seven-mile miracle, Pastor Furtick talks about. And these men are walking with Jesus, literally, the resurrected Jesus, right? And there's Finally notice that he's come up, but they don't know who he is because the Scripture says that the Lord had kind of blinded them to who he was. (laughs) And they tell him, haven't you heard about what's been going on in Jerusalem? Like he don't know. You know, he's the main guy. And guess what Jesus done? He basically did the same thing Philip did. He said, look, I'm the Messiah. He pointed them to who Jesus was. It's exactly what Philip did. So this morning I want to discuss some applications that we see in the life of Philip in the obedience of following the Holy Spirit. Number one, first application. should be up on the the board here. Take this home with you. Love people with God's love. Love people with God's love. Acts chapter 6 talks about Philip serving God in the most medial ways. He was serving the widows of the church. He was serving their tables. Anything that they needed, Philip did for them. Kind of sounds a little bit like Rock House Baptist Church. Now, this wasn't a glorious job. You have to keep that in mind. But with a servant's heart, in following the will of God, there's great lessons to be learned. The Apostle Paul writes in Galatians chapter 5, verses 13 and 14. He says, For you are called to be free, brothers and sisters. Only, don't use this freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. Ain't that a message to the world right now? But serve one another through what? Love. For the whole law is fulfilled in one statement. Love your neighbor as yourself. Holocaust survivor Anne Frank said this about serving. No one has ever become poor by giving. <laughs> Can't out give the Lord. How many knows that? Amen. Billy Graham said this, We are not cisterns made for hoarding. We are channels made for sharing. You see, Philip's heart reflected the heart of God. Philip had to cross many barriers. Scripture doesn't exactly point that out per se, but as you dive into it, in verse 40 it says, He went into many villages. This shows that Philip was traveling to all the people, not just the big cities and talking to the big time politicians there. This shows that Philip cared about the one. Now I'm going to go ahead and say this, and this is something I want you to hold on to. There'll be many that'll, that'll preach the gospel. A lot for the wrong reasons. But there's a difference in those who preach the gospel and are good on stage and those who walk off the stage and really care about the one. Folks, if we want to reach the many, you have to start with the one. Don't think one person can't change the world. I want to talk to you this morning about Mordecai Ham. How many of you are thankful for Mordecai Ham? <laughs> Good, we got to learn something this morning. But you're going to be thankful for what he's done. Mordecai Ham was a traveling evangelist during the Great Depression. Mordecai Ham says in his biography that the Lord said, go to Charlotte, North Carolina and start a tent revival. Okay. His biography says he preached for eleven straight weeks, day and night, six times per week, only resting on Sundays. Now, I'll be honest; I'm not sure how he done that. It's kind of hard to come up with a couple in the whole week. I don't know how he come up with eleven straight weeks. But I'm so glad this Kentucky native followed the Holy Spirit, because a few weeks into the service, when everything was looking bleak and dry, and nobody had come to the Lord. A young teenage boy come forward and accepted the gospel. <laughs> Who was this teenage boy you may ask? None other than the great Billy Graham. Thank God, Mordecai Ham said, "I'll go, Lord, I'll go. God uses ordinary people to save the lives of others. I tell you how excited God gets about you in the lost. Luke 15 verse seven says this. I tell you, Jesus says, in the same way, There will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who don't need repentance. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for saving my life. Second application this morning I want to talk to you about is be led by the Spirit. Now, I know that sounds cliche, but it's so important. Our whole lives and our every move should be led by the Spirit. There's nothing we should do that we haven't asked God to guide us in. As a matter of fact, the whole book of Acts and pretty much uh, the two-thirds of the New Testament, we can get real technical on that, is wrote because people follow the Holy Spirit. What does that look like in our life? Number one, it looks like this, reading your Bible. Folks, there's nothing more important than God's Word. Nothing more important than God's Word. Next thing it looks like, spending time in prayer. There is nothing more important than your relationship with Jesus Christ. If He's not number one, let's reshuffle the order. He's got to be number one in our lives. Third thing it looks like in our lives, serving one another. It's not about me, but about He. Less of me and more of Him, the Bible says. Quick story from this book. I talk about this book all the time, but I'm telling you, get it. Get it. Not a fan. Changes my life outside of Lord saving me. This book. Kyle Edelman's the pastor and and writer of this book, and he is uh, actually a pastor at Southeast Christian Church in Louisville, Kentucky. I want to tell you how Kyle Edelman found the Lord and went on to pastor in Los Angeles. Went on to pastor, I believe, in Chicago and some other cities. And he ended up in Louisville, Kentucky. He said one day his parents went to work, so they took him to his grandparents' house. And his grandparents were not believers. But two local men from the church, little old church like Rock House Baptists, took time to go visit this elderly couple and tell them about Jesus. Pastor Edelman says that that day his grandparents didn't accept Jesus, but they did go on to, praise the Lord. But what was crazy was there was an eight-year-old boy in the floor playing. Never said a word, but he hung on to every word that those two men come to say about Jesus. Jesus. And he went on to pastor and lead many to the Lord. That's just an example of our witness and how we may not see it, but the Bible tells us we walk by faith and not by sight. Amen. Paul talks about the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. You know what it didn't say? Money, drugs, rock and roll. It never said nothing like that, that the world hangs on to. He said love. Don't get love misconstrued. He's talking about loving each other because God loved you. Joy peace. Who wouldn't say I want that, right? The problem is is they look to get that in other stuff. Don't let that be us and take it upon yourself to tell somebody else that's not going to be you. God loves you. When we're led by the Spirit and our response, when we're led by the Spirit, I'm sorry, our response will look like what Philip's did. I don't know about you, but I've been in this situation. (laughs) When God told me to go, I came up with an excuse. Philip didn't have the great debate with God. It wasn't a presidential election. Who's going to lead? God said, Go. The Spirit spoke and He went. He didn't say, Not now, God. He didn't use the not there excuse because you have to think where He's going. You know, He's of the chosen people, and God's saying, Go to the ones that they consider are not worthy. He didn't say, Maybe later. I heard a pastor say this week be in prayer, be reading your Bible. God's not going to spell out the name in your cereal bowl of the person He wants to, you to go share the gospel with. But you have to be in prayer about it. God's laying somebody on your heart right now that you better go talk to. It may They may draw their last breath and may not know the Lord. And here's the thing. You will be amazed at what God will do through you when you step out in faith. Here I am. Send me we should be waking up each morning ladies and gentlemen asking God these questions who is it Lord that you want me to speak to you for you today Lord? who is it that you need me to go see who is it you want me to share the gospel with we shouldn't be afraid you're not going to have all the right answers I have spoke to many people and I had the right answers here's what God doesn't expect you to be Google for God. You're not going to be able to go, oh yeah. But here's what Luke 12, verse 12 says. When you follow the Holy Spirit, Jesus telling His disciples, for the Holy Spirit will teach you at the very hour what must be said. Prayer is the battle. Now prayer is done before you go. You don't go fight a battle not preparing, do you? Let's be in prayer. Sometimes the best answer to somebody's question is another question. If you look at what Philip did. Again, he didn't have no cookie cutter answer. He was well versed in the Bible. and he, The Bible says he was a praying man. Later, I believe in Acts chapter 21. Don't quote me on that. But here's the thing. Some people we come in contact with... Let me back up. Most people we come in contact with are going to be people that they may be well-versed in the Bible. They may have a quote or two they can quote. They may know John 3.16 like the best of them. But we must remember, they're not seeing the whole picture because they don't have the full story. And that's where we come in to play. So ask yourself this morning, am I proclaiming Christ? Am I proclaiming Christ? Because this eunuch was like us. Spiritually. He could not become a Jew, but the beauty in the gospel is he could become a Christian. Amen. Salvation is offered to everyone free of charge. We just got to accept it. I'm going to leave here today, pick up the phone, and call my dad and tell him this same story. I hope he's watching this morning. Gary Player. Now, some of y'all probably don't know Gary Player. I expect Jerry Sparks too, because Gary Player is a golfer. Right, Jerry? He's a South African golfer. And uh, I'm going to use Gary Player as an uh, example this morning. Gary won a PGA tournament, professional golf tournament. And after the tournament, the reporter asked him, It's amazing how lucky you are. Some of those shots that you made today, those putts, That you hit from, you know, 40 feet away. And Gary responded with this. It seems to me the more I practice, the more I get lucky. That's the way evangelism is. The more you share the gospel with people, you're going to miss some putts. You're going to miss some shots. But it's going to be more people accepting Christ. Don't expect to ask one person and be one for one. It's not going to happen. Remember, they're not denying you. They're denying our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So I want to close with this this morning. Just a few questions I want you to take home with you. Ask yourself, am I walking in the Spirit? Am I being led by the Spirit in my daily life? Ask yourself, am I prepared to give an answer for God The Bible says we need to be ready to answer when somebody asks us about the Lord and Jesus Christ. Do you get up every morning anticipating, I'm guilty of not doing this, anticipating encounters with someone in hopes to share the gospel? I firmly believe, and i said this before and I've told him a hundred times, Kyle Chris was in a position so that he can anticipate (laughs) gospel encounters. It's not always easy. Lastly, this one hit me hard, and I hope it hits you. When was the last time you had a gospel conversation with someone? So our challenge this week, as we begin to close and the musicians come forward, please, please go and share the gospel. As C.T. Studd always said, or the only quote I've heard him say, (laughs) you know, our life's going to pass And only what's done for Christ is going to last. If you would, let's rise and let's pray as our musicians take the stage. Father, I pray this morning that hearts were changed, that minds were open to what You can do through us when we follow the Spirit. Lord, I pray that we're like Philip. Don't present you with a confrontation when you tell us to go. God, that there's somebody out there, somebody in our family, our brothers, our sisters, our cousins, our moms, our dads, our grandparents who need to know Jesus. Father, I pray that you use us as a vessel, as a channel to share the gospel. Lord, the greatest fear of mine is that the gospel would stop with me. The gospel got to me because somebody else took it upon themselves to share it. Lord, it took a hard road for You to open my eyes. I pray that not many follow the same path. But whatever it takes, Lord, that they see that once and for all, You died for them. And that You can give them forgiveness of sins. I pray that they open their hearts like the eunuch. Look, there's water. What can keep me from being saved and baptized? Father, I thank You for people like Philip. Because without him, the Gospel doesn't reach everybody on earth. It probably doesn't get to America. Therefore, we under my voice doesn't get to know Jesus. Lord, I love You and I praise You. There's somebody here that's carrying a burden, Lord. Just like the song says, help them lay it down (laughs) and not pick it back up. Let it be once and for all, Father, that we turn it all over to You. In Jesus' most precious name I pray. Amen. Thanks again for tuning in today. Remember, the greatest decision you could ever make is to place your faith in Jesus Christ for salvation and to begin a personal relationship with Him. Thanks for listening, and God bless